What's good everyone, Matt here from UK Nets fans and I'm joined, as ever, by Aidan McConaughey for another episode of BK to UK, the British Brooklyn Nets podcast. Cammy is still having a few technical difficulties, so much like the Nets, the big three are going on as a big two for now. We'll be recapping games against the Wizards, Blazers, Jazz and Pistons before talking about LaMarcus Aldridge joining Brooklyn, a little look at some trades and how they affect our chances at the chip, as well as listener questions and much more. Make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagrams at UK Nets fans, the pod itself on Twitter at BK2UKPod, and check us out on YouTube where you can watch all of our episodes. With that out of the way, let's get into it. What's good, everyone? Matt here from UK Nets fans, and I'm joined, as ever, by Aidan McConaughey for another episode of BK to UK, the British Brooklyn Nets podcast. Cammy's still having a few technical difficulties, so much like the Nets, the big three are going to go on as a big two for now. Uh, we'll be recapping games against the Wizards, Blazers, Jazz and Pistons before talking a lot about LaMarcus Aldridge signing for this Nets team. Uh, a little look at some other trades, uh, how they affect our chances at the chip, as well as listener questions and much, much more. Make sure they're following us on Twitter and Instagram at UK Nets fans. The pod itself on Twitter at BK2UKPod and check us out on YouTube where you can watch back all of our episodes. But with that out of the way, um, there's only one real place to start and and that's with the buyout market going bananas and the Brooklyn Nets have signed LaMarcus Aldridge to a veteran's minimum uh, until the end of the season. Aidan, what, uh, what did you make of the news when you first heard it? It was just mad, wasn't it? Because it just kind of came out of nowhere. I don't think anyone, I know he was kind of mentioned about kind of potentially considering the Nets, but no one actually really kind of considered the fact that he, he might sign with us. And I mean, I'm happy with that. I mean, you have to be. I mean, again, it's it's similar to the Blake role and the fact, it's Blake signing, sorry, and the fact that it's so nice to see good players in the buyout market wanting to come to the Brooklyn Nets because it obviously says a lot about us that they're willing to take obviously the, the veteran minimum to come here. And I mean, in terms of Aldridge himself, he, he's still a productive player. He's, he's a big body, which is, we've got quite a few of now. Um, another good shooter. And I'm sure, um, yeah, Woj said that he's, he's going to take a lot of the minutes at the centre role. So yeah, excited that he's uh, going to be kind of playing that role because it gives us a different option. We've not really had much shooting from that position previously. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I'm probably in the same boat as you, but I think the reason I'm most happy with this one is the fact that he's playing for the Nets and he's not gone to an LA team. He's gone elsewhere. And I think it's it sounds greedy almost that that's why you're happy that he signed, but it does make such a big difference, him being on our team, because he's, he's killed us loads in the past. Yeah, it's crazy. It's one of those, I'm, I'm trying to stay objective, like, because he's not, he's not the LaMarcus Aldridge of... Um, of, mm. that he once was but you know I think it was 2019 he was all, an all-star maybe all NBA so mm. you know he's, he's no slouch and as you can kind of say very much on the same sort of wavelength of that Blake Griffin sign-in it's just like yeah he's good and he's incredibly good for a vet minimum so so it is really good mm. um yeah he, he's averaging 13.7 points four and a half rebounds and almost a block in 25 minutes I've kind of I was looking through because as it as is becoming glaringly obvious I don't watch a lot of basketball outside the net so I've not watched a lot of LaMarcus Aldridge this season but just kind of going through and sort of glancing through and reading stuff online here and there and having a look at the um, stats 
Um, he scores more points, but is a less efficient DeAndre Jordan. Um, he grabs less rebounds. He blocks less shots. He needs the ball more. Uh, he does shoot the free. And I think that's a good point. Like you were saying, it's not that we really need any more three point shooting, but to have that in the, from the center position is something we've not had before. So it just kind of speaks to the nets versatility. And I think you can kind of plug these people, these bodies in, in so many different situations as and when you need them. Um, it's just, we're a, we're a Swiss army knife of destruction um, in that kind of respect. Uh, he's only featured in 21 games this season. So he might be a little rusty, might need some time to get up to speed like Blake did. Um, but he's a better free throw shooter. He turns the ball over less and he commits fewer fouls than DeAndre Jordan as well. Um, but yeah, a great point that I think the best kind of thing is that he's playing for Brooklyn and not against Brooklyn. Um, so really good. Uh, I like it. I like it a lot, but it did get me to thinking, where does this leave our rotation and what's that going to look like? Because sort of uh, immediately after the Harden trade, it was all about the, the Nets have got no depth um you know we got no rim protection we got no bigs and all that kind of stuff um i guess it obviously doesn't really affect the the front court so much but how do you see our rotation uh kind of the four and the five kind of going forward maybe going into the playoffs it's tough i mean from what Woj tweeted after i mean what we need to like learn to realize is when Woj tweets something, he's been told by someone like with, within the organization, someone's given that information. And he's obviously came out and said that, I mean, he's going to get significant minutes at the, at the five. And obviously, and he also mentioned about how Clax is playing so well. And he and then he mentioned about it's, it's DeAndre Jordan's minutes that are going to get reduced. And you have to think, I mean, DeAndre Jordan only played like 12 minutes, like the other night in a game. Is he going to be playing at all? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it would be a, a brutal move for him to be removed altogether and just put LaMarcus Aldridge in, but it could happen. But you, you made a good point there. He's obviously not played in a good few weeks. The, the Nets are love ramping up players, as they've, they've been uh, saying over the last few weeks with Blake and KD and whatnot. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm in the same boat as everyone where I don't want Claxton to, to lose any minutes because he's clearly deserved them. Um, I think if they're going to put Aldridge in, it has to be DeAndre Jordan's minutes. And is it as simple as taking him out and putting Aldridge in? Maybe, but it's probably going to piss off um, DeAndre Jordan if he's just going to lose his minutes altogether. Um, but if you if you look at the Nets kind of front court as a kind of in a pecking order, he is down the bottom of that. And I mean, guys like uh, Jeff Green and Bruce Brown are probably ahead of him. Um, so yeah, it's it's tough a tough one. But yeah, I mean, if he's going to be playing significant minutes. Who knows, especially with Kevin Durant coming back in as well. I mean, it's uh, it's one of these things. And no one's going to be, not everyone's going to be happy. And um, it'll be interesting to see what they do. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's the main thing. It's just like when KD comes back, which is hopefully within the next week or so, um, which is very, very exciting. Mm -hmm. I think that's when our days of seeing Bruce Brown uh, going in at centre are probably behind us when that happens. Because, um, mm -hmm. you know, he's, you know, <laughs> but then KD can play stretch five when he needs to and all this kind of stuff. So it's really, I think it just, again, goes back to this versatility thing. And yeah, I think with Claxton's ascension, with DJ slipping down, um, you know, Jeff Green playing the five and, you know, Alizé Johnson coming in and playing some four, and I'm, you know, not that I think he's going to uh, be on this team when it comes to the playoffs, but 
yeah, it's just there's a lot of moving parts, and I think it's just one of those things where it's a nice a nice problem to have. Um, but talking about nice problems to have, we've Sean Marks has still got in his back pocket a disabled player exception and a mid level <laughs> exception and an open roster spot. So I don't know how he has managed to do this, um, but he's got to get executive of the year. Um, but do you, do you think the Nets have done? They can't be, right? I don't think so. I mean, it's crazy because if you if you said that Blake Griffin and Lamarcus Aldridge were going to get those those two exemptions, I don't think anyone would have batted an eyelid and they'd have been absolutely fine with it. But yeah, I mean, I hate to go on by Woj, but you've got to take what he says as gospel. And, and he did say, he tweeted like a one-off tweet saying, the Nets still have one more roster spot available to use in the buyout market. There's a good chance they're probably going to bring someone else in. Who it is, I, I don't know. You've got to think it's probably someone for the backcourt just to to fill in there or potentially a, a wing defender. But, I mean, to quote Net Income um, from Nets Daily, who always tweets this and he always says, Woj doesn't speculate, he is working. So he, he obviously knows something that the, the Nets have got some interest somewhere. And, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they do. I, I don't have a clue. I don't have a clue, though. Yeah, it's, it's impossible to kind of try and keep up. But what I do know is we will know by the 9th of April. So the deadline for players to be bought out, waived and eligible for the 2020-2021 playoffs is the 9th of April. So mark your calendars. Um, we've got just about two weeks or so. Um, and then we'll actually finally see what the Nets final form is. Um but, you know, we do have someone waiting in the wings um, to shore up that guard spot in Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, obviously, with the trade deadline coming and going, a lot of people, I think us included, were kind of saying Spencer's going to get dealt. It's, you know, pretty much nailed on. You're never going to see him in the next jersey anymore, um, getting emotional and all that kind of stuff. But he's still here. Um, so what do you think? Do you think he's back for the playoffs? Do you think he's, you know, here to stay? What do you think? Hmm. It's a tricky one, isn't it? Because, I mean, I we really did think it was inevitable that he was going to get moved. I mean, everything was kind of pointing in that direction where it, it just felt like he, he had to get moved. It felt like there was the only option at one point. Um, but, I mean, he's obviously been hinting and teasing that he's thinking about coming back. He keeps mentioning, I think it's April 6th is the date that he keeps saying, no, this is the day I'm going to come back. But I think that's probably a bit too early because he's not stepped on a court yet. But... I mean, we know the Nets. I mean, are they the type to to rush someone through a rehab program just to get them through? They're they're not that type of team. I mean, they wouldn't put anyone's future career in that type of risk. So I personally don't think that he'll be back for the playoffs. And I think it must have just been a situation where they clearly weren't getting a return that they were happy with. And there's kind of moves that potentially could have had a bad impact on the Nets, whereas if they, they brought someone in on, say, a similar contract to what DeAndre Jordan's on, and they've still got two or three less in the, on their deal, I mean, you bring that in, it's more guaranteed money down the line. Maybe it's the best option is to let Dimity go, and then it's just free money on the, on the, on the, against the wage bill. Um, so potentially that's the case. But yeah, I, he would realistically probably need to be back next month at some point to build himself up to come back into the playoffs you'd, you'd have to think that he'd need to get some form of kind of ramp up moment to to be ready to go into those games because it's just going to be absolutely brutal 
Yeah, you know, what have we got? Like twenty odd games left until the playoffs start. Something so, like that. Yeah, it's not yeah, long. So it's not many. I mean, I'm I'm worried. Not worried, but I, it's that's enough. Game that you know, with the KD coming back and stuff like that. That's how many games you'd kind of want to get mm. beneath yourself to to get those guys all sort of melding together and not ending up like last year's Clippers. So to have Spencer Dinwiddie mm. come back in a place where he can contribute playoff minutes in this very, very deep roster. Um, I think it might be a bit of a tall ask, but you know, we've not seen him since before, yeah. well, apart from the beginning of this season, we've not seen him since before the last, the bubble. So, you know, I would, I would love to see Spencer Dinwiddie come back, but you know, I, I hope, I hope to be proven wrong, but I don't think we see him uh, this season, but we shall see, but enough of being a negative Nancy. Um, we got some games to talk about. Um, so as we recorded last week's episode, the Nets were just about to tip off against the Wizards, um, a banana skin team. Um, but we actually pulled off the win, uh, finally, on uh, we won 113 to 106 in Blake Griffin's long-awaited Brooklyn Nets debut. Um, it was a quiet game from Blake. Obviously, he did kind of answer his critics, and he did dunk. The two the two points he did get in that game uh, was a dunk, um, which was good. Um, did you have any kind of quick impressions about about Blake on his first game? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the talking point was was the dunk, and it was great to see. You could see when the when he done it, and then the bench were going mad. He couldn't help but kind of break out in a smile just with the excitement. He, he knew himself that it was going to be a huge talking point around the league, which it obviously was on social media after that. But to be honest, I mean, he, he was on a minute restriction and he played 15 minutes on the dot, I believe. And uh, I was impressed with what I see. I was, I, I actually was shocked at how good he was defensively, just because he, he just seemed to know where he had to be all the time. And I thought that was really good to see the fact that he was kind of commanding players as well, especially when he only only came in a couple of weeks ago, but he was telling people where to be. Um, and that that's what you're wanting from the vets. You just want to, them to come in and, and play really hard. But yeah, I mean, I, I think we'll definitely see more minutes from Blake kind of coming up. And yeah, he's, he certainly looks like he's still got those that bounciness anyway. So Still got still got the bunnies. But, um, that's it. Yeah, I think it would be remiss of us to uh, to concentrate too much on on. Blake Griffin on that one because uh, Kyrie and Harden combined for 54 points um, in this game. Uh, Kyrie poured in 28 points, six assists, three steals, and seven rebounds. While while James Harden had 26 points, eight assists, three, another three steals, and five rebounds. Not too shabby considering all the noise about them not being able to play together. Um, obviously, we've gone on a lot on this podcast about these two. Um, but it did start me thinking about, is this the best backcourt pairing in the NBA? Uh, and I kind of, I had a little kind of little look back, uh, about sort of what other, what other tandems there are. And you got, you know, Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet, pretty good. Uh, Westbrook and Beal, pretty, pretty good. Doesn't really translate into winning. Damon CJ, very good. Um, Devin Booker and Chris Paul, obviously also very good. And then obviously we're not seeing it this year, but we've got Steph and Clay. And you can't take anything away from the Splash Brothers. But I think Kyrie and Steph's games are comparable insofar as kind of they both have insane handles. They can both shoot the three. Obviously, Steph at a much higher level before anyone comes at me. Um, but I think Kyrie is definitely an underrated shooter. Uh, and then 
Clay Thompson probably brings as much on offense as Steph does and is a really good defender, but he's no James Harden. Um, and I think that mm. the mix of just unadulterated firepower and that kind of game management, passing ability, vision, flawed generalship we've seen from, from the Brooklyn Nets version of James Harden, I think that that puts them above Steph and Clay for me. Um, and please, I invite you to please come at me in the comments um, because you know <laughs> I'm, I'm not scared. I'll, I'll happily, I have time for that conversation. So, you know, do come at me with, with something against that. But um, more importantly, I think the, the Wizards kind of what languish in towards the bottom of the league, um, but they, they seem to be them and, them, and Den, them, them and Detroit seem to kind of be our banana skin teams. However, we did actually beat them this time. Um, what, what, what did you make of uh, us finally getting that Wizards monkey off our back? That's it. You forgot Cleveland there as well. They've been another nightmare team for us this year. But yeah, I mean, obviously this was the third, third time this year that we played the Wizards and the, the first two obviously ended in two absolutely brutal defeats right at the end. And yeah, it was it was hurtful. So we, we needed to win this one. And yeah, we, we did what we could to to pull out the W. And it, it did get me thinking, it was of the Nets, how, how much have they improved defensively since that game? Because obviously that, that was the issues in those two. It was it was defensively that we, we were struggling. I, I, I think we've done really well. I mean, there's obviously been the certain stats that have been floating around that have backed up that we have seen a, a vast improvement. I mean, sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but I mean, we, ha we have gotten a lot better. And if you go back and watch some of those games, you can certainly see a, a big difference. And, and one of those players is, that's kind of made that difference has been Nick Claxton. And I think coming into the rotation has, has made a huge difference. And in this one especially, I mean, you look at him offensively, he was 16 points again. Um, but you got three blocks and a steal, and yeah, again, it's switching. It's just, it's, 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 I was a way to say it's elite there. I would probably wouldn't go to that level, but he's certainly getting there. And there's not many better players of his height that can do that at the three point line. Um, but yeah, as I mentioned earlier, Griffin was really good defensively too, just really well organized. And he had a really good block on Bradley Beal at the rim too, which was nice to see. I mean, it, as I mentioned, it, it doesn't always feel like it with the Nets and they do still get slated at times for some of their uh, defensive efforts. But I mean, they've improved massively and I think it's so nice now that we don't need to put up 50, 150 points on every night just to get that one. Yeah, it's nice to kind of get get a few less miles on uh, James Harden and Kyrie, especially, mm. well, especially James Harden, who's playing 55 <laughs> minutes a game or something. He's averaging at the moment. It's ridiculous. Um, but we went on to, uh, to to follow up the Wizards win with a win against the Blazers, um, a game in which Kyrie missed um, for personal reasons. Um, and the reaction from, from Twitter and the media was, as you'd expect, it's his birthday, you know, he just wanted the time off. He's probably got a party to go to. He didn't want to play Portland or Utah. But per Pat Ragazzo, uh, from New York sports, <laughs> he and his fiance are expecting the arrival of a baby, which I think, I think if you're arguing that he should be still be playing when his missus is having a baby, then you're just a terrible person, I think. Um, I think he's already said that he'd retire early into his 30s, so who knows, maybe he's going to sack basketball off so he can spend time with his queens. Uh, but it's awesome news and a big two fingers to anyone who was chatting rubbish. 
Um, Kyrie Evans already played 31 games so far this year. He has missed 15 uh, for various reasons. Um, but yeah, we look forward to having Kyrie back soon. And yeah, if um, obviously he's not confirmed uh, the baby, but I don't think he's going to be one of these people that are going to be going up to the media <laughs> and uh, giving baby photos and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, we did win the game 116 to 112. Um, what did you take take from the Portland game? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a good game. I mean, again, it's it was James Harden. It was just James Harden. I mean, obviously, he was the only member of Scary Hours that was that was playing. He, I mean, he had 17 assists, which obviously matched his career high, which was incredible considering the fact that he was questionable before the game. And, I mean, we always kind of joke about Joel Embiid always being questionable and coming out and balling out. But James Harden was actually really hurting this in that uh, neck injury. And uh, to come out and, and put in a performance like that and, and lead the team to a win was just... Excellent, but yeah, I mean, in terms of our front court, I was I was really impressed with Nick Claxton and, and Blake. I mean, obviously mentioned them from the last game, but they uh, they had a real opportunity to to play together and, and show what they can do as a front court pairing, and and they looked solid. I mean, against a, a really good Blazers team that um, both of them gave really good production on both ends of the court, and I think it's a real luxury considering you've got two guys of that talent coming off the bench. I mean, I, I said in the, the Discord, I'm, I'm really excited to see a lineup, not kind of starting, but of Harden, Kyrie, KD, Blake, and Claxton, just because it'll be really fun. I mean, I enjoy watching all of those guys play. So if we can get some decent production uh, of them on the court, I think it'd be amazing to see. But yeah, I, I really liked as well seeing Blake Griffin giving some advice to Nick Claxton on the bench as well. I mean, I mentioned when, when Griffin signed, it's it's going to be really important that Claxton learns from these guys because what an opportunity when you come into the league and you're, you've got guys like Blake Griffin and now LaMarcus Aldridge to learn off. And yeah, I think he can improve massively by learning some of their skills. But in terms of the game in general, a great win against a really good team. And I didn't expect it personally when I saw the team. So yeah, I was, I was pretty happy with this one. What about yourself? Yeah, same. I think what jumped out for me was was Claxton on Dame Lillard um, in the yeah in, in sort of in crunch time. That was that was really good to see. But I think you were exactly right, especially with Lamarcus Aldridge. Now I think we didn't touch on it, but I think he's he's played something like seventy odd playoff games, um, which is huge mm-hmm. experience, um, especially for. Um, for Claxton, who we, you know, un, you know, under that learning tree. Um, but yeah, really, really good to see. And just, and again, it's just nice to get these, get these wins against decent teams with, you know, that not, I don't think anyone expects them to come out the West, but good, you know, there's a lot of people that do say about the disparity between the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference and how Western Conference teams are so much more talented, more stacked and all this kind of stuff, but we all know our record against Western Conference teams. Um, so it's just, again, just a really gutsy kind of performance with, as you say, with with James Harden, who shouldn't have been there, um, but did come out, just um, maybe just clicked his neck back into place and and yeah, and just balled out 17 assists, tying the career high, like you say, it's it's just crazy to, to come in and, and to perform at that level. Um, but all good things must come to an end. And he, he, I think Steve Nash probably had to lash him to a, or lock him in a hotel room or, or strap him to a chair or something from not to play uh, against the Jazz. And I think it was probably a game to forget. Um, 
taking the L, uh, 118 to 88, which has got to be up there with our lowest scoring performances of the of the season. But, you know, when you're without your, your three offensively-minded superstars, um, that's uh, to, be, to be expected, I think. However, have we found a new one? Up steps Alizé Johnson. Um, what did you make of this guy who <laughs> came out of nowhere? I know, you, you nailed it. I mean, it was a, a night of very few positives and yeah, it is one to forget, but there was kind of good opportunity for, for guys to plead their case to show what they that they deserve a slot in the playoff rotation because obviously well, when you're getting extended minutes like that, you can really show how how good you are and why you deserve to be in there. But yeah, upstep uh, Alizé Johnson, who definitely sees his chance to impress. I mean, he only signed like his contract on, on Monday this week. So to come in like that after a really good G League campaign where he was kind of rumoured to win MVP and then come in and play really well in this one. I mean, to put up 23 and 15 against a team with the best record in the NBA as a rookie on a 10-year deal is just crazy. And he was playing some really good defense at times as well really impressed with them I mean that's that's what these 10-day contracts are for I mean you come in and you can just put in a shift and we've seen some players coming off the 10-day and just and get their place in the league like quite comfortably and I mean he's certainly going to get a shot off someone in that performance I mean you've got to think after Orlando Magic's um, uh, moves at the deadline that they, they should be taking a, a flyer on someone like this I mean it's, it's probably not going to be the Nets, unfortunately, just purely down to rotational circumstances. But if I was like the Magic or someone, I'd be calling his agent because he looked like an all-star playing in this one. So, yeah, it was great to see. And, yeah, it is so nice to see someone like that come in and, and seize an opportunity like that. Yeah, I think he's come to this Nets team, like, what, three years too late? Because if this was sort of the, the rebuilding sort of Theo Pinson, Kenny Atkinson Nets, I think he'd have a huge place on this team. But um, but yeah, absolutely pulled out. And a, and a shout out to my boy, Chris Chioso, who also had a double-double in this game. Uh, because, you know, I, you, you got to show some love to show some love to Cheese. But, but we sort of touched on it earlier. Um, but this is the game where DeAndre Jordan only had 12 minutes. Um, and I did a little bit of digging um, because, you, as you rightly say, it's kind of he's playing fewer and fewer minutes uh, as these games go on. Before before the Knicks game, which was the 15th of March, so, you know, a good couple of weeks ago, DJ was kind of hovering around the 25 to 35 minutes a game mark. But since then, he's only played more than 20 minutes once uh, in the loss against Orlando. Talking about Orlando. Um, he played 17 minutes against Washington this week and 12 minutes against the jazz um, in both of those games. He hasn't, he hadn't committed a foul at all. Um, so it's not like he's been rested for sort of foul trouble reasons or, or being yanked for that kind of stuff. Um, over the last five games, he's averaging less than five shot attempts per game. Um, we know he's not often that engaged on defense and, you know, if he's not producing, on the floor on offense, kind of what's he there for? Um, the roster's obviously getting pretty tight at the center position, uh, especially as we go in smaller. Uh, Bruce Brown, for a start, obviously everyone's favorite center in the league. Jeff Green has been playing phenomenally well this season, who can slide over to the five. Blake Griffin, obviously we've talked about a little bit, and now LaMarcus Aldridge, who's been, who's been brought in. 
Uh, and that's, you know, don't get us started on Nicholas Claxton, who can come in and play the five. Even KD, when he's back, is going to play some time at the five, you should imagine, when we're playing super small. It's clear that, that DJ is now towards the bottom of that pecking order to be polite. And I think, I think you're right. I think, it, how has he gone from an absolute cornerstone of Kyrie and KD being here mm. to kind of... I th- he, it must just be he's just played his way out of this team because I think what it is is KD... I, I won't say KD and Kyrie think this because, you know, we can't say that and they don't run the team, but mm. it must be that with a team with aspirations like the Nets have, it's just not acceptable. And I think you know, your superstars will kind of get that as well. So the people that have won a ring, KDs and Kyries are like, I love you, DeAndre, but sorry, Mm. mate. Like I'm trying to get another ring and all this kind of stuff. So enjoy that $10 million a year contract, but you might have to just be riding the bench, coming up with, coming up with cool handshakes with people. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's, it's just a funny one. Um, Yeah. I really do think with, he's got a real shout of, of not being anywhere near these um, playoffs. And unless unless Nick Claxton bottles it because he's never played in the playoffs before for some reason, uh, and there's some sort of matchup that I can't even see where DeAndre Jordan has the edge over anyone in any matchup, but <laughs> that could be the only only way I could envision, envisage DJ making it in the playoffs. If he doesn't turn himself around. And I think James Harden is is every Nets fan when he's pulling up DJ in the middle of a game, almost shaking him by the shoulders and just go, what are you playing at? And screaming at him. And I think, and I think that's, that's, that shows two things. And I think that's James Harden super wants to win. And James Harden is that leader on the floor kind of holding people accountable. So yeah, it's, it's really good to see um, that, that kind, this kind of fluff doesn't get tolerated, I think. Um, But I think if he wasn't a friend of, you know, the superstars on this team, he probably would have been wet, like shipped out a long time ago. But but we shall see. Um, and then we leave a loss to the Jazz to a very, well, a sort of, um, sort of uh, a, a win to make you smile again. But it was a bit closer than it needed to be where we went back to Detroit. And it's another one of those uh, banana skin teams that we've spoken about um but this time it was the revenge of Blake Griffin it was being so spoken about so he joined the team shortly before we last played the Pistons a couple of weeks ago um but obviously we were still ramping him up um but you know this was the opportunity for for Griffin to go up against his old employer uh, and his old colleagues uh he dropped 20 uh, sorry he dropped 17 points in 20 minutes which included uh, a long-awaited James Harden alley-oop finish, uh, which uh, I was very happy to see. Uh, he got three rebounds, two assists, and a steal. Um, he was diving all over the shop. Um, we went two for two from three, um, and he did get five fouls in what was called a, a, a chippy game, was the phrase, <laughs> the phrase that they used. But there was certainly a bit of animosity there. There was some jawing back and forth. There was some, you know, some, some deep looks uh, to the bench every now and again. Uh, and especially with Isaiah Stewart, I think that's his name, elbowing him in the head and getting ejected. Um, but yeah, Blake said in the post game that they haven't, considering the Nets haven't really had a chance to practice 
remember that the Nets are one of the few teams that haven't had any um, games um, postponed due to COVID and all this kind of stuff. So, and it's a shortened season. So, you know, I'm sure there are lots of teams that haven't practiced as much as they want to, but the Nets are certainly uh, one of those teams that haven't practiced as much. Um, but now he's had a couple of games under his belts and he's got some runs with some of his uh, teammates. He's starting to feel a bit more comfortable. He said he spent the first few games focusing on facilitating and trying not to force his game offensively. Um, and he said he had a few defensive lapses in this fourth quarter, uh, meaning that those those pesky Pistons were sort of sniffing around this game. Um, but at the end of the day, he did have the last laugh. Um, what did you make of this Pistons game? Yeah, I mean, I think you've nailed it with, with Blake. It was just a heated affair overall. It was just... Yeah, it was a good atmosphere. I, I really enjoyed it as a game. Like you could hear uh, Sarah Kustok on the Nets um, broad on the Nets on Yes broadcast was absolutely loving it. Like the kind of back and forth for the bench, kind of going up to them. So yeah, that was really exciting to see. I mean, I mean, um, James Harden. Well, we have to talk about about him again. I, I don't have a problem with that at all. I mean, obviously his quote afterwards was the whole "I feel like I am the MVP," which seemed to be the the main talking point after that one. He feels it, but we know it. Um, but he, he is the MVP, and we we, see, we get to see it every other night, which is lovely for us. Um, but yeah, what a performance in this one. I, I described this one as this was Houston Harden, and this is probably the first time we've seen Houston Harden since he actually came to Brooklyn. Um, he obviously felt rejuvenated and re refreshed after his, his night off against the Jazz, and he was he was just raring and, and ready to go. Um, and yeah, he was hitting his trademark step back threes, which he has obviously struggled with recently. He was ice into the rim with ease, and uh, we really needed this performance from James Harden. I mean, this was one of these games where we, we weren't getting much produ production elsewhere. Notably, Joe Harris wasn't having a good night shooting wise. Um, you usually tend to see that with Joe Harris at the moment. Once maybe if Kyrie or KD or both are off the court, teams kind of put that on their uh, agenda that they need to maybe double team him. And he does, he does tend to struggle in those moments. So it's sometimes in, in moments like that, that we do need someone like James Harden to step up. And I was just thinking about it earlier on, actually, I was thinking, I would hate to see what our record is, uh, what it would be right now if we didn't make that trade for James Harden. Because you could quite easily go and dissect those games that he's played in where you've not had Kyrie or KD or, or you've just had one of them. And if we didn't have James Harden, a, a large chunk of those games would have ended in losses. And I mean, you've got to give this man his credit for the production he has shown. I mean, we do give him a lot of credit, but it's 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 fully justified. And I think you can you, we can be quite comfortable knowing the fact that even if KD decided to take another couple of weeks off or something like that, then we're, they were in safe hands leading into the playoffs. And yeah, I was talking about it with, with Rich from UK Nets fan, eh, sorry, UK NBA fans today. And, and he said that Harden's our most important player. And he, he could be right. I mean, there's an argument there to be had. Um, I said Kevin Durant personally, but yeah, I mean, he's been so important for this team. And yeah, it's, it's, it's so good to be able to watch him every other night and putting in performances like that. Yeah, I'm the same. I, I will happily talk and talk and talk about how good James Harden has been uh, this year for the Nets. Um, and yeah, I think Rich, Rich has probably got a point where he could be, you know, he does so much, um, both in terms of scoring and facilitating, as you say, and he's just got that ability to kind of put a team on his back and just refuse to lose, um, which I love. And, you know, that's when you're playing these gritty teams like Detroit, 
who I, I love, I love a kind of gritty team. Um, I've got a bit of a soft spot for that kind of stuff. So, so to really get down and kind of have that Brooklyn grit um, sort of shown uh, is, is just, is just really, really cool. So nice to end the week uh, on winning ways. Uh, and as you say, it, to have, if KD's still going to have a couple of weeks off with, you know, as, as we are, we're still knocking on that first seed in the East. Um, the Sixers are having a great season uh, so far and, and, but so are we. And, you know, with, if he can take that over and I'm sure they're going to start slowing down at some stage and, and we're just going to keep ramping up and that first seed will be in sight. Um, but we're going to talk about some listener questions now, uh, talking about the playoffs um, this one came in from Sam and our Discord server, um, who said, if the regular season ended now, who out of the bottom teams in the playoff places, including the play-in spaces, would you prefer the Nets to play? And which teams would cause you the most concern over seven games, if there is one? What did you have for this one? I'll let you take this one first because I'd, I'd like to see what your answers are for this one first. So I'll see if they're okay. Okay. So, um, so as of recording, the Nets are second. So we play seventh, which just so happens to be the Boston Celtics. Um, and I don't think there is anything, there are not many things more that I would like for us to sweep the Celtics out of the first <laughs> round of the playoffs. Like nothing would give me more joy. Um, even, I think even if we swept the Knicks out of the first um, round of the playoffs, I still think that with the Knicks, you know, being on the ascendancy as they are, they're not the team historically that Boston have been in recent, in the last kind of five years or whatever. So, so to really, really batter the Celtics in the playoffs would, would be really, really nice. Um, and considering their play this season, I really, really like our chances on that. Um, but looking sort of eighth to tenth, if you include those play-in games, um, I think the the Chicago Bulls adding Vooch is interesting, um, given in given our interior weakness. But I just don't think anyone does us in in um, in seven games. Obviously, you've got the Heat in eighth. Um, you know, with with the likes of Bam Adebayo, uh, Jimmy Butler, obviously. I think. There's going to cause problems, but I think if you look from the Celtics down, I, I fancy our chances against anyone. And, and that's not me just being like simple and a homer. I think I really, really do. And it just goes down to what we were saying. It's seven games. No one, no one, none of those teams are going to beat us four straight times or four times out of seven. So yeah, I'm, I'm, Bring on whoever, but it would be a nice, it'd be a nice um, sort of narrative if if we did take the Celtics out in the first round. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've been a bit selfish with this one because I want um, there's I've got like a dream playoff route for the Nets to to win the championship. Um, it, it's a really good question. I'd, I'd say there probably is a couple of teams that I'd like to avoid in the the first round. Personally, I, I think I would want to avoid um, Boston and like the heat in the first round purely just because of our playoff experience. And I know we've got loads of guys that have kind of got loads of experiences, but like kind of as a team, I just want to sweep that first round like you. I think if we were to go in there and just win 4-0, not even, even if it potentially gives us a chance to rest for a couple of days before the, the semi-finals that's such an advantage and I think it just creates a good atmosphere uh, going into the remainder of the game so 
yeah, I'd, I'd like to play someone like the the Knicks. Um, yeah, I think would be really fun. I think not just for like for the fact that we probably would sweep them. I think I just think it'd be so good for the city as well. I just think the atmosphere would be absolutely electric, and I think that's what we want. I mean, we we've said it loads. You've you've said it a good few times that it, two New York teams playing good basketball is a good thing, and uh, it does create a good atmosphere. And I, I think that'd be that'd be really nice. I mean, I certainly do want to play the Hawks. That's that's one team I will mention after some of the games we've had with them. But so I'll, I'll mention my, my dream playoff route since I, I touched on it earlier. And there's a reason behind each team. So first round, Knicks, for obvious reasons, just for what I mentioned before. Eastern Conference semis against the Celtics, just because it'd be beautiful just to be full full circle after that trade for the for the Nets to, to beat the Celtics in that semi-final. Play the Sixers just to get revenge for that that horrible series a couple of years ago where they were just being a nightmare against us, and then yeah, to play the Lakers in the final. I just think that would be four teams who are probably my four least favorite teams in the NBA. It'd be so nice to just beat them all and and win it. But yeah, in terms of the first round, yeah, definitely the Knicks. I think that'd be such a fun matchup. Yeah, that would be that would be. I'm I'm seriously considering taking some taking some time off from work on the when the playoffs come around and, and really really mm. going all in um, because it's going to be a special time and and whoever whoever is that matchup on you know when when the playoffs come around they're you know they're going to have to they're going to have to to quote Bruce Brown they're going to have to be perfect to beat us um, so yeah it's it's going to be it's going to be pretty pretty sweet um, when it does come around so thanks for Sam. Uh, for asking the question uh, all that's left to do now is look ahead to next week so we're recording on Sunday night so I'm hopefully going to get this get this out on Monday so on Monday we are playing the Timberwolves I think it's in the early hours so you, this game will probably have happened uh, we're going to play the Timberwolves on the road before we have a back-to-back at Barclays uh, Wednesday we take on the Rockets Thursday we take on the Hornets before hitting the road again on Sunday uh, heading to Chicago and playing the Bulls. Um, I'm pretty, pretty confident about this week. Um, I think of those, the probably, as you say, it's probably Charlotte, which are the, which are probably the stickiest one um, coming off the back to back. But I still, I still think we're gonna sweep the week. What, what do you think? Yeah, I think you're right. I think that Charlotte one will probably be the toughest one out of the four. Obviously, they've, they've lost the middle ball in, in the last week or something like that. So they're probably going to start drifting down the standing. So you, we've got to win that one. I mean, it's, it's nice to look at those four games and just think that that's four beatable teams. And, and I, I do see a sweep in them and I feel confident going into them because there has been times where we've obviously seen kind of games like that and we're like, oh, potentially... There could be room for slip up there, but obviously we had we're potentially going to have Kevin Durant back. Looks like Kyrie is going to be back at some point this week as well. Um, Timber Wolves has to be a win. D'Angelo Russell's meant to be playing, which will be really good fun to see him. Um, Rockets, how have they managed to get worse since we last talked about it? I don't understand. Like they've they've obviously because they had all the depot and PJ Tucker, and we were slating them. I, I do feel bad because we hit them really hard, but. How have they managed to get worse? So, yeah, we can't lose that. Yeah, mentioned the Hornets and then Bulls. Yeah, you mentioned it. They are probably the biggest, a big challenge now that they've got Vucevic in there. But they've surely got to be getting used to kind of rotations and they've made, made quite a lot of moves. So, yeah, just like you, a clean sweep again. Nice. 
yeah, hopefully uh, many more wins to come. And I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I maybe even doubled. I've not even checked the schedule, but I'm, I really want this to be the week where the Nets are sitting pretty on the top of the East. I think we're still only a yeah. game back, so you know, I think that would be absolutely lovely stuff if we if we could do that. But again, time will tell. We shall see. Anything can happen in the NBA. Um, but that'll do us for this week. Um, thanks very much for listening and uh, we'll see you next time. We do hope you enjoyed this week's episode of BK to UK. Thanks very much for listening and a special thanks to Theo from the Met the Criteria podcast for jumping on and joining us. Please rate, subscribe and review the podcast if possible and head over to our merch store, which is teespring.com slash stores slash UK Nets fans and treat yourself. We'll see you next week.